Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, I'm coming to you from my sumptuous balcony in Las Vegas, the Mission Control Central of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you discover your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. We are going to be covering financial intelligence today. We've been doing a series of episodes on this show about financing, about money issues, about money mindset. So this is going to be a very nice addition to this very popular track that we have going on right now. It's specifically about financial intelligence. And to guide us through this conversation, we have Henry Doss. Let me just tell you about him. He's a serial entrepreneur, business coach, screenwriter, and self-described ordinary guy, and now personal finance coach. He was born in Brooklyn at the tail end of the Eisenhower years, and he's lived his entire life in and around New York City. He has also lived his life in and around money as well, from cutting lawns as a kid to managing a stock portfolio as an adult. Now, he has more that he's going to share, more of the story. We're going to have him do it in his own words. Before that, I'm just going to tell you real quickly, his specialties include consultative advisory, strategic planning, startups, small business, coaching, mentoring, new business development, entrepreneurship, sales, marketing, product management, relationship building, and communications. And I deserve a $100,000 prize for not stuttering over that even once. (laughs) Henry does. Come on in. The weather's fine. Thanks. How am I supposed to follow that intro there? That's a lot of keywords. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) <laughs> well, just uh, just looking at your background, I'm curious how I'm even worthy to be here. And it's my show. So oh, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. People are rolling their eyes like, who is this guy? So full of you know what? Yeah, I'm, talk- I'm, their- talk- I'm talking about me, not you. <laughs> uh, well, they've been rolling their eyes at me my whole life. Uh, and I just, <laughs> all that all that means to me is they're paying attention. So <laughs> good on you. <laughs> So before we dive in, and you have some interesting things you want us to cover here, uh, let's start by having you tell us a bit in your own words about your journey as brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. All right. So there's a, you know, there's, there's a bit to unpack, but I'll just hit sort of the high point. So um, yeah, I started my first business 30 years ago as an entrepreneurial business. I started as a uh, selling computers basically in the early 90s. I specifically sold Apple computers way before there were Apple stores back when you actually had to go to a a reseller, an Apple authorized reseller. Um, And then I've had a series of different businesses in the the finance business, factoring business, um, real estate, uh, home theater. Um, You know, I start a business, I run it to to its logical conclusion. Sometimes it means the sale, sometimes it means just closing up shop because because the world has changed. Um, so that's been my, my really entrepreneurial um, journey there. And then you can um, parallel that with my, my financial journey. I bought my first stock when I was 17 years old. I was still in wow. high school. Um, I started putting money in my 401k uh, when I was 22, when I got my very first job. And it's like, wait, you're going to match the money that I put in? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. I like that. Free money. Um, And yeah, I've been doing that and managing my own finances um, all the way up to now where I I just uh, a week ago turned 62. And so now I'm technically a senior. So uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. It's been fun. Yeah, now... Yeah, well, that's the best part. It's far from over. Uh, A couple things from my end. You... Looked like you started the same place I did, cutting lawns as a kid. I was I was uh, twelve years old, and um, uh huh. 
I started, I started cutting lawns. And then when I was 15, I got a job at a pancake house, a new pancake house that opened up in my town. And I, I got a job as a dishwasher <clears throat> at minimum wage, 1974. For the record, that was $2.20 an hour. Wow. And yeah, $2.20 an hour. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot to be said for at some point in your life, especially when you're young, working a minimum wage job. It gives you a profound respect for the millions of people who do that. Because well, a lot of them are really thankless tasks. Uh, yeah. But somebody has to do them. Well, I... Uh... Yeah, I started cutting grass when I was about the same age. And I was I grew up in a really rural area, which means I had three lawns available to me to cut as part of my big grass cutting business. And a couple of years later, when I got really ambitious, I took my little red lawnmower and I pushed it a mile and a half up the road to the trailer park that was up there. And I picked up picked up about five lawns up there as well. It was some, there's something there's something about cutting grass there's a major zen to it i currently live in an apartment community which is nice because uh when something breaks it's a phone call rather than me having to do anything and uh -huh. i love i love my beautiful balcony here which has a sumptuous view of a really nice grove of i don't know if you call i don't know if they're palm trees i think we got a I good thing I got a pine tree right in front of me. Actually, it's interesting. There's and there's all kinds of different foliage. Uh, everybody brought their own trees to Las Vegas when they sprung it out of the desert. Uh, and uh, you know the thing with this grass cutting business, however, I was limited geographically. When I turned 16, I couldn't wait to get a driver's license, not because I wanted to go out carousing, because I wanted to get a damn job and make some money. My mm -hmm. first job was working in fast food, and I held that as a part-time job all the way through college and wow, I in some ways it taught me more than school did candidly uh sure. part of it part of it was an appreciation for honest labor uh <laughs> a different appreci appreciation so to speak for folks who aren't willing to do it uh that's a different story and mm -hmm. I also discovered a lot about how logistics work in the real world. Not when you have the people in the sterile room with pie charts and flow charts, uh, planning other people's days for them and coming up with these ridiculous ideas of how long a task should take in a fast-paced real-world environment, but actually being in the real-world environment making this stuff work. Yep. Um which is, yeah, which is, uh, I mean, uh, and I take a contrarian view to this, uh, you know, in my consulting work, for example, uh, one of our clients was working with somebody to uh, develop one of their events, and they had mm -hmm. a meeting planner on board who wanted to meet with me to plot out a Gantt chart of exactly everything that my firm was going to be doing as part of this. So I'm saying mm -hmm. something, okay, this is going to be a four-month process. And you want me to right now anticipate every real world variable that goes along with putting 100 people in a room in Boston. Okay, you, you draw the Gantt chart and I'll pretend to review it and tell you it's great. And then I'll just continue to, to do what I was going to do anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a contrarian view. Now, I'm not against planning. I'm not against having organization. I also believe that it's important to ask questions challenge questions about organization. In my book, I encourage entrepreneurs when they, as they go through their day, as they perform tasks, as they oversee processes, as they do whatever they need to do to acquire, serve and retain customers, whatever it is to continually ask the question, what would happen if we didn't do this at all? What this does is it cuts out the nonsense so you can just skip the ridiculousness that gets piled on over the years. And it also amplifies the things that are, in fact, revenue, productivity, and momentum generators so that you can focus where you're going to get the fastest and largest return on investment. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I just did another podcast before this one where we were talking about my, my book, The F FQ Financial Intelligence, and we were talking a lot about planning. Um, but it was more from the point of view when we were talking about trade planning, right? Okay. Uh, we're talking about young investors, people going on Robin Hood. Everybody's, you know, trying to kill it and crypto and blah, blah, blah. 
And um, and I said, you know, that's all fine and dandy. But the reality is at, at some point in time, you need to be able to justify why you did what you did. And you really only have to justify it to yourself. Right. I'm right. not I'm not the, I'm not the thought police. But if somebody, you know, somebody's asking me about a trade uh, and we were talking about a trade that he had he had missed the boat on. And I said, well. Um, could you come up with a cogent justification for purchasing the stock? And the same thing with selling it. Right. Why did you sell it? Right. What was what could you point to from an analytic? And it doesn't have to be more than just one sentence. Right. That says the reason I did this was this. So what you're talking about in the business context is sort of like, if you can't give me a justification for doing what it is that we're doing, then why are we doing it? Right. Yeah. What was yeah. the purpose of doing a Gantt chart? I happen to love Gantt charts and I've used them many, many times before. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm with you because if this has no correlation to doing the project, and if this, if this is only a little piece of window dressing that you need to show to your higher ups to give them the illusion that shit be going down, uh, great, you go do it. Because it's not germane to what it is that I need to do. It's not right. a tool that I use in order to fulfill my end of the bargain. Right. Uh, so my view on it was, and this was nothing against the person who wanted me to participate in this. I think she's wonderful, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. My view on it was, is this was attempting to anticipate every nanosecond of a process that by definition is chaotic and unpredictable. My job mm -hmm. is to deal is with the chaos and unpredictability in real time. So right. that I so I could spend hours with you to develop some chart that'll be irrelevant by the time you say the it'll final be obsolete PDF tomorrow. Yeah. So what's the yeah, point I'm of not, us using it? Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 more interested in things from a statistical process control in it perspective, which is looking at how internal and external actors and actions impact our progress toward the goal, which is to fill that room. And yes, we did fill that room. It sold out. Good. Yeah, and most of them have even paid. <laughs> because you know, you know how it is with conferences sometimes. Yeah, we're sold out. We sold all 100 seats and 93 of them were comps. No, 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 no. In this case, it was more like 91 of them were full pay. There you go. So we did a good job. Um, it's one of my one of my crowning achievements, actually. And I, you know, I played a, you know, a, a you know, it's a good supporting role in it. Something I'm very proud of. So, so coach, coach speak, we call that a big win. You had a big exactly, exactly. So let's swing back to you for a minute. We will get a lot more into this financial intelligence stuff. What do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Um, raising my family is probably my my greatest accomplishment. Okay, for me, right. for me. Uh, I mean, you 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 didn't put any qualifiers on it, so I I put my own. Um, That's good. Certainly, uh, yeah. Being able to um, to uh, to build a uh, financially stable life for my wife and myself and my my three almost grown boys, well, two of them are grown, and one's right. in college. Um, so that has been a, you know that's been a huge achievement. Um, anything business related, kind of kind of pales by comparison. I mean, it really just does because because the you know family is has such a greater weight for me certainly writing my book which was one of those bucket list things that i wanted to do and i never was quite sure when i was going to get to it um i was very proud of that you know took a lot of work took a lot of effort um a lot of a lot of new things to learn because it was the first time i had ever written a book so now that um i've done it uh the next one will be a hell of a lot easier um and I'm proud of the businesses that we've done, people that we've been able to hire over the years. We've actually been able to provide livelihoods to, uh, you know, to other human beings. I'm very, very proud of that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things to be grateful for. Right. So let's get a bit into financial intelligence, the topic of our conversation today. First of all, define the term in your words. What is financial intelligence? Well, people talk about financial literacy and, and literacy yeah. is literally the ability to read and write. Yep. But the ability to read and write doesn't really do anything for you if you're not reading anything and you're not writing anything. Right. Right. I mean, so the idea of financial intelligence is taking the information, the data 
that the world is giving you and creating original thought with it. Um, you shared that I'm a screenwriter, right? My wife for years and years has made fun of me or teased me <laughs> because I have a head full of what she calls useless information, right? But uh -huh. the thing is, it's not useless information. It's, 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 it's raw material that I've used to create uh, original thought. I've written 11 screenplays and many, many parts of those screenplays came out of those so-called useless facts that my wife yeah. derided, right? That's the raw material that you need to create original thought. Financial intelligence is the same thing, right? You need to look at the first chapter of my book is called The Psychology of Money, right? That is going to set the, the, the sort of the boundaries in the imprint for all of the decisions that you make throughout your entire life. You are never going to get a day off from money. You know, if you're Jeff Bezos and you've got more money than any reasonable person could ever spend in a thousand lifetimes, maybe you get to take a day off or two about money. But for most normal people, you're going to be grinding this out for your entire adult life. Um, and you're going to make a lot, a lot of decisions. You're going to need data and you're going to need to apply it intelligently. I think if you want to be successful, makes sense. I think it makes dollars and cents. And you, know, you mentioned Jeff Bezos. Uh, I think uh, you look at people like him and you also look at Elon Musk. And I'm going to bring up those two names because they take turns being the wealthiest man in the world, depending on what day what day it is, what time of day it is, and what, sarcast <laughs> and what and what sarcastic remark Elon made about what cryptocurrency yeah, yeah, um, yeah. on some mm. off-the-cuff tweet or interview or something like that that sent the markets just soar soaring or reeling. It's just hilarious uh, in, my per in, my per in my personal view. But what's funny about it is, you know, in a way that's actually very serious, is what these guys do shows to me that they actually do think about money all the time. Jeff Bezos did not get from having that little wooden desk in that corner of that warehouse with the Amazon logo printed out on eight and a half by 11 on an inkjet to being who he is today by not thinking about money. And, and Elon Musk didn't go through PayPal and launching a car into space and everything else by, by, uh, by just sort of winging it. Uh, oh, no, they, they had, they had a plan. They had benefactors, they had capital, they took risk. What's interesting is um, you can even see the imprint because um, I've been to Amazon's offices and I've been to Google's offices. And what's interesting is Google is like Disneyland, you know, with with snack stations and little razor scooters so you can get from one end of the building to the other. Um, and Amazon is very austere and very buttoned down. Um, oh, that's interesting. A, that's a, yeah, it's a very, I think it's a direct reflection of the corporate culture. And I believe the corporate culture comes from the top. People at the top are, are the ones who, who really set that. Um, just even with large businesses, um, I, I, I believe that, I believe that fully. Um, so, so yes, they have enormous financial intelligence. They had to have in order to accumulate the vast riches that they've had. But they've also had their, you know, butts hanging out in the breeze every yeah. once in a while, right? This didn't all, this wasn't all, you know, moonbeams and puppy dogs for them. There were, you know, significant risks, especially more Musk, I think, than, than, than for Amazon. Um, significant risks that go with it. But I bet you if you asked them, they would tell you that they wouldn't want it any other way. You know, I, I think I, how it is. Here, here, here are a couple of analogies I like to bring up when it comes to this whole thing with financial intelligence de decision making and needing to come up with a justification or a reason why you did something in one or two sentences. The reality of business today is, is business creators and entrepreneurs, we're called upon to make wide ranging decisions with very limited data on an unbelievably, sometimes basically non-existent timeline. Mm -hmm. So I, what I like to remind people is Hey, remember during the Civil War when on the very first day Ulysses S. Grant was appointed commander and he won every battle? Okay, it didn't quite go mm -hmm. that way. 
And do you, and do you also remember World War II, where, uh, where on September 1st, 1939, Dwight D. Eisenhower was appointed Supreme Commander, and all he did was win all the battles. Mm-hmm. Right. And no, on September 1st, 19, on September 1st, 1939, Dwight D. Eisenhower was a lieutenant colonel stationed in some base, I think, in the Midwest somewhere, uh, doing paperwork, basically. Uh, the, the, the story of him progressing from that to becoming Supreme Commander four years later uh, is in itself a novel. Oh, no doubt. Well, that's... Uh, it's, yeah. it's, and, I, and, I, and, I bring, and I bring these up to illustrate that in, in just these two great events of our time, it didn't go by some pre-planned trajectory. And there was a lot of building the airplane while you were flying it involved. Oh, no, no, no question about it. Um, no, I often say that the, that the, the shortest distance from point A to point D is to point B is not a straight line. It's actually the path of least resistance, right? right. And the path of re- least resistance can be quite serpentine, quite meandering. Oh yeah. A lot of highways, byways, a lot of pivots, but I also operate under the philosophy that, look, I'm going to try to make the best decision I can make with the data that's available to me at that time, right? That's that's the best that I can do uh, in most cases. I can go back and Monday morning quarterback it all I want, but often that's a case of adding in information that I didn't have at the time, right? So it's easy to go back and second guess, but you wanna be able to now take all that and learn from the experience so that you can raise your intelligence, right? Right. Um, because the world is constantly shifting and pivoting and changing around you. I've had, I had this debate with somebody when we were on vacation who used the famous Einsteinian phrase about, about insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. And I, and I said, Einstein would laugh at you if you attributed that to, to him because he would never say something that's just so sort of lame brained. All right. Sometimes you have to stick to your guns that the world hasn't caught up to you, right? It just hasn't. And if you just decided that, oh, I'm not changing my approach and I'm failing, well, what are you going to do? You may pull the plug. You may really be onto something that's really revolutionary. But the problem is the world wasn't ready for it. And then when the world catches up, all of a sudden, you're the early adopter. You're the fair-haired child. So... um, intelligence takes on all different forms, but it starts with data. You've got to take in some data in order to make your decisions. And that data is going to be imperfect. And it may not be timely. It may be old. Right. right? And then you've got to build a process around that. And it needs to be a replicatable process. And then you've got to learn every time you execute it. So if you're a trader, right, we were, I was just talking about this, you know, an hour ago. Got to journal your trades. Got to come up with justifications. Got to say, what did I do right and what did I do wrong? So that I can now apply those techniques and build an intelligent framework to make your life easier. Because when you first start um, managing and investing your own money, it's like like rocket science. It's tough. It's hard. A lot of stuff to learn. And then the game will start to slow down. Does it mean you're not going to take some bad beats along the way? You're you're going to. You're going to take some lumps. That's okay. As long as you have the commitment to stay the course, you'll be fine. I gained some of this mindset by playing Texas Hold'em. It's one of my avocations. I I was actually just thinking of poker. Yeah. Poker and golf. It's like. Uh Uh-huh. Poker and uh, golf. Yes. Poker and golf. Yes. You are going to take, because I use the term bad beat, right? That's a poker term. Right. Um, uh, But what you see, what you see happening with people is they go on tilt. Right. I see that a lot with people with money mistakes. They, They double down because they get triggered by something. They do a trade. It goes against them. They read some stupid Reddit thing. They don't do any homework. They say, uh-huh. yeah, I'll put my bunch of money into this stuff. And then it blows up in their face because they were the last one at the dance. Um, and then they go on tilt and say, oh, I just lost this money. Well, now I got to get even more aggressive and shed even more risk because I got to make that money back. And then before uh-huh. you know it, they're broke. 
right? Same thing on the poker table, right? Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, when you play poker, sometimes you will take some bad beats. Uh, I have two real quick examples. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I uh, I turned up a sh- I turned up a king high straight at the turn. Wow! And on and on and on the river, somebody caught a seven high flush. Wow! And and one and one of the other players decided that they were going to call me a donkey and a bingo <laughs> player because I went all in on that straight. Well, I was reading the table, and all I saw was a bunch of checks. So I saw mm. I saw I saw people limping in, seeing if anything was going to happen. I caught something. I pushed on it. Somebody mm-hmm. else got lucky. Now, to call somebody names because they made that decision, I stand by my decision 100%. And in that same situation, I would have done the exact same thing. And, you know, and you know, the best thing is, is the more you play that game, the more you have the opportunity to be that person that catches the seven high flush when somebody had a king high straight. Yeah, it's, you know, you look at it from, a, from, a, from an arithmetic standpoint, and you'd say to yourself, what were the odds? And I bet you the odds were, were probably pretty low that he was going to catch that. that oh, yeah. That particular yeah. And, and, and so, yeah. So you have to think about it. What are some what are some things you're going to catch against the odds? Because I've had similar catches where I turned up something on the river that was just even surprised me. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's no question. Um, and money money is not dissimilar from that. There yeah. are going to be times where you're going to do everything right. And it's all going to go horribly wrong. Right. It, yeah. It, it it happens. The other it does the other, happen. Yeah. The other case I have is I was playing in a tournament with twenty people. Uh, I at the first table I was at, I got to a point where I was really badly short stacked, and it was really just a matter of time. So it mm-hmm. got to the point where I I went all in blind, didn't even look at my card, just pushed all in. The reason right. the reason being is some of the other people who had gotten knocked out early were talking about starting a second game, and I wanted to get in on it. I just wanted to get out. I was actually. I didn't declare this, but I was hoping somebody would just take me out so I could get out of that game. Mm-hmm. So the cards turn up, and it and it and uh, then after then after we get to the river, I look at my whole cards. I caught I caught a full house, sevens full of fours. Wow, mm-hmm. that's called and, dumb and, luck. And one and one of the <laughs> and one of the other players that followed me, uh, I'm told was talking with other people about uh, finding me later and beating me up. <laughs> no, no like, no, like, no, like they were serious about it. Like they were actually going to do it. And they told other people they were going to do it. And all I could think is, you're the dumb idiot that followed me when I made a stupid move. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you can take, and to me, you can take a few lessons from that. The first is you may get to a place where, you don't have much to lose anyway. So if we're talking about odds and numbers, just give it a blind chance to work for you. As long as you're not going to sacrifice your house in the process is, is mm-hmm. the first item. And the second thing is just because somebody else jumps off a bridge doesn't mean you have to, they could have, they could have all just sat on their cards and let me and, and kept me stuck in that game short stacked, but somebody decided to think, oh, oh, look at this moron. He's going all in without looking at his cards. Oh, I'll beat him. Yeah. Okay. Which is which yeah. is why which is why you got to be careful about your financial intelligence because you see somebody else doing something wild like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that they know something you don't. It could just be that they're that they're just pushing all in just to see what happens. It, it, yeah, just just make sure nobody's you know <laughs> carrying a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> in their belt when you do something silly like that right i mean yeah people have died for less i hate to say it yeah i know um, i know uh, i mean i mean the whole thing blows my mind to this day and it was almost 20 years ago i'm, I'm thinking yeah. you know you know what i've i've caught some bad beats and i've administered a few too it's just the nature mm-hmm. of the game and the more and the more you play the more you win and the more you lose every once in a while right but what happens with people is they'll take that bad beat and then they'll never play again. No, right. no, I, 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 no, if I, if I take a bad beat, I, I look at, I, I look at what I can learn from it. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm with you hundred percent, but I've yeah. talked to people who've invested in the market and they're like, you know what? I blew up my whole account. I'm never going to do that again. And my answer is, 
Well, you know, you were completely unprepared. It would be like you, you, you went up on a plane to go skydiving and you just didn't have a parachute, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, you, you get one opportunity to do that. How about being a little bit more prepared next time? But they, you know, they want shortcuts. Sure. They want to be able to read it in a book. They want to be able to do it on a Reddit channel or listen to a bunch of guys on some talking head TV show uh -huh. who says you should go long this or you should go blah that. They don't have any skin in the game. In fact, almost all of those guys are prohibited from actually materially participating. The old you know, Dan Dorfman rule, right? That you can't materially yeah. participate in stocks that you're talking about. You can't do an old fashioned pump and dump. Right. So you've got no skin in the game. I would prefer it better if you had skin in the game. Um, so at least you're at risk and I'm at risk. Cause if I'm going to follow the donkey, I want to know the donkey's got some, got some uh, money behind it. <laughs> Not just telling me a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then I go, then I go do it and it blows up and they're like, well, I didn't do it. Well, yeah, nice right, yeah. Out. Remember in that scenario I told you I didn't look at my whole card. So if I'd have caught if I'd have caught pocket, <laughs> if I'd have caught pocket aces, if I'd have caught pocket aces and I wasn't managing my tells very well, there was no tell for them to pick up on that I had something in the hole. Because even I didn't know. So when I look at so when I look at this uh, you know random online speculation, I think are these people who are going all in with garbage? What's the, I mean, what, what, what is it that they know that I don't? And do they really know anything? I mean, I have, you know, I have a little crypto. I have a few stocks here and there. I'm, I'm working my way into it and the way I'm doing it. And this is one of the reasons I'm so excited to, that uh, you wanted to join us here at Business Creators Radio is I'm developing my financial intelligence as I go by playing in the real world. A friend of mine who's actually done very well with this with no formal training told me that his strategy for success is he uses a baseball analogy. It's all about hitting singles. Yeah. He's not, he's not even trying for the home run. He just wants to keep hitting singles, keep hitting singles, keep putting one point on the board at a time. And uh, looking at his portfolio, he's, it's not a bad strategy. It's an excellent strategy. And um, it's not a surprise that your friend is doing well because uh, that's really what you want to do. Now, if you're if you follow baseball, and I and I've I've uh, followed baseball since I was a kid, and I um, collect baseball cards back from, uh, you know, way back in the day, which have gone parabolic, um, price wise. Um, yeah, they played a different version of the game back then, right? They hit and run, they stole bases. They were very creative about how they manufactured their runs. They weren't afraid to, you know, hit the ball the other way and move runners around just to scratch out a run here or there. That's how right. they're great teams. But now you look at the game, and I think it was last year was or the last couple of years of the first time in history where there have been, I don't even know what the numbers are, uh, more strikeouts than hits, I think it is. Yeah. And more home runs than anything else. It is a feast or famine game, and it's it's kind of parallels a lot of a lot of the thinking, you know, generational thinking. Being an old school boomer, we understand, you know, bunts and sacrifices and singles and hit and runs and steals and all that stuff. Yeah, this new game is not that. It's the whole point is to get up, swing as hard as you can, and try to knock the ball out of the park. And if you don't, you're going to end up striking out. Um, and that's boring, right? That's boring. I want my trading to be boring, but what's, what's boring in trading is a bunch of little singles, little right. teeny profits, right? And I've told people, and I say it in my book, I'm saying, if, you, if your trading is exciting, then you are doing something wrong. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. I can tell you it's something really boring. Um, I have a, I have a friend of mine who uh, created a, van a vanity crypto coin on rally.io. So, you know, he's a buddy of mine. So I'm thinking, all right, you know what? I'll throw in 50 bucks. My worst case scenario, my worst case scenario is I got to wait for an extra 50 bucks to go out for a meal. Big freaking deal, right? Mm -hmm. yep. uh, for the past few months, the value of my holdings off that $50 is been between $650 and $775 just with fluctuations. 
Okay. So uh, I keep saying, you know, I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to cash out. I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to cash out. I'm going to wait till it zooms up again to a certain level, or if it drops below a certain thing, I'm going to walk. But you know, the reality is I'm just going to let it ride. I mean, if it turns into like a million, then yeah, that's where you get the hell out and you count your blessings in life. But my worst case scenario here is I never see that $50 again. And I'm nowhere near that. In fact, I'm over 10 to one above that. That is, that's about as exciting as watching dry paint, <laughs> not even watching paint dry, but watching dry paint. But what I know is that for $50, I've turned it into somewhere between 11, 11 to one to 13 to one. And it's something where I could push a button at any time and get myself a small windfall, or I could ride it out and see what happens. There's no excitement about that. And you probably even know some my tonality, the way I'm describing it's like, oh, ho, hum. But the fact is, if I could use my financial intelligence to replicate that a hundred times, now we're talking real money. So the question that arises to me is, when will you know, right? So you took a $50 investment. And, and, I, was doing and, as a, and I was doing as a favor for a buddy. Let's, let's I, add I, that in too. I don't care if you were doing it for the Queen of England. And I mean, no disrespect okay. when I say that. I don't care about your motives. I don't right. really care. I'm only talking right. about it purely unemotionally. You made a $50 investment. It's now gone 13X. Yes. Right. So now you say to yourself, okay, what am I going to do with this? When do I know when I have to get out? Is it next Thursday or is it when I turn 87 years old or is it some event in between there that tells me now's time maybe to take some of the money off the table or maybe to take all the money off the table, right? All right. Um, what, what is that event? Okay, this is, this is uh, basically off the top and is subject to change at any time based on subsequent learning or inspiration I discover along the way. So I want to qualify with that. Mm -hmm. But in one sentence, if this thing hits $10,000, I'm out. Good. Now, having said that, would you put a... Um... Would you put a, an automatic execution order in that says when it hits 10,000, it sells you out? This particular technology doesn't have automatic execution offers, but based oh, on where okay. I am, based on where I am right now, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Right. How low would it have to go for you to get out? Or is there, it's 50 bucks is powder. I don't care if it goes I don't to zero, care. no big deal. I don't care. Mm -hmm. the, 50, the $50 is emotionally, I'm, I'm divorced from it. The moment I put it in, I separate myself from it emotionally. I considered it gone. So you're willing to lose $650 on this trade? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without okay. a second thought. Good. So as long as you know that, then you, then you have a plan. Yeah. Right? Because the way, the way I look, look at it, my, the biggest loss I can make here is $50. That's my biggest loss. Uh, I, I saw, I saw this, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Well, actually your biggest loss is $650 because a, whether you well, care to, whether you care to admit it or not, that's now your money. Okay. I see your, your point. Your, I see, your, I see your, your principal, your principal means nothing. There's no, okay. there's no house money, right? You live in Vegas, right? You say, right. Oh, I'm playing with the house's money. Bullshit. No, there's no your, house money. Your, it's, there's it's no house money. money. I can tell no, you, I, know living that. in Vegas, I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't no house money. So you're willing to lose 650 bucks, but the upside is 10 grand. That's pretty good. It's a nice yeah. ROI. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, done some research into these vanity coins and I've seen how some of these things can perform. And I've looked at uh, fluctuations and I've looked at how current political, economic and other situations have raised interest in uh, new economies and alternative currency. So I believe that this is a rocket that hasn't even taken off yet. So I'm happy to sit on it. Good. Yeah, there, there's, um, again, my, my point for, for and again, this is just one little part of, of financial intelligence, which is just having the ability to justify 
put some thought into the decisions you're making and, and living with them and not kicking yourself in the head if something changes down the, down the road. You know, again, you're, we're back to the idea of making the best possible decision I can, I can with the data that's available at this moment in time. That's what I'm doing right now. Right. And that's good. And that's the sort of thing that I advocate for people, which is to yep. say, do that. Right. But just don't tell me that you saw it on Reddit and you decided that, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, get me some of that. Right. Um, right. No, that doesn't work. Right. Right. The whole GameStop thing from earlier this year. I mean, that was, that was a fluke in my opinion. Um, I had a friend who I had a friend. I have a friend. Yeah. Um, who um, lives out in Wyoming and he's a trader and we've, you know, we've, we're, we're on mastermind groups together, a young guy and he's in the real estate business. And he did a, he did a, a couple of trades. He did a long trade and he did an options trade back in October, way before this whole Reddit thing came up on GameStop. And so I asked him about it and he gave me a very nice little cogent explanation for why he put the trade on and he made a boatload of money on it and in fact the day that he sent me that stuff i said dude i looked at the thing get the f out of there now and this was weeks and weeks and weeks ago and he did he booked his profit and went on his way and you know he's trading other stuff right now um did he leave some money on the table who cares it was a really really good trade well thought out, well executed. I just found it very interesting that he didn't he didn't actually take the money off the table until I looked at it and said, dude, run for the hills because this is right. super risky, right? Well, I mean, there was more to it than that as options were going to expire, right? Yeah. So you know how options work and, and three out of four options expire worthless. So um, you don't you don't want to you don't want to squeeze that thing for the last nickel. Because something hiccups and you're getting close to expiration and all of a sudden your profit goes bye-bye. So the profit was really good that day. And I said, wow, book that. Uh, and when I come out to Cheyenne and visit you, you can take me to dinner, which is exactly what I'm going to do in a couple of weeks. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. So we don't cry over spilled milk. People say, oh, I got out so early. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have sold this or this and that and the other thing. And I say, did you make money? And they said, yes. And I said, well, stop whining about it, right? Because <laughs> I don't care. You made money, right? You must have had a reason to get out. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. And, you know, the thing, the thing is we were dealing with, I mentioned earlier, uh, my involvement with a process that by definition was chaotic and unpredictable. That's what mm -hmm. you're dealing with with the marketplace. Anything could, could come in. I mean, if you go back to, say, January 2020, how many people were saying, put all your stuff in Zoom? Oh, yeah. Not a lot that I remember. No, not at all. Yeah. No, Zoom was, Zoom, I've been using Zoom for 10 years because I use it for my coaching business and everything yeah. else. And um, yeah, it was this, you know, sleepy little thing. And, um, and then what happened after their thing went parabolic? There was a Zoom bombing. And yes. then all of a sudden... One day I go on Zoom and, and my, uh, my, my personal um, room is now locked down and people can't get into my, to my weekly Zoom call. And I'm like, what'd they do? Oh, they just proactively locked it down in order to stop that. What did the stock do? Uh, it took a 20-point hit, right? Now all of a sudden, hey, welcome to volatility world. You're a grown-up yeah. now, Zoom. You're not some sleepy little stock. You're now on people's radar. And everybody right. piled into it. Everybody put it on their watch list. Everybody thought they were so super smart because Zoom was going to take over the world. I don't know how many of those people actually looked and saw what their earnings were or anything else that went along with it. I didn't. Right. Um, it wasn't anything that I had an interest in. There's thousands and thousands of stocks. It wasn't on my radar and I didn't feel a need to put it on my radar, but other people did and they made money. So yeah. Good, you know, good for them. Yeah. So Henry, you were... You refer to something you call the biggest money trap. Have we already discussed it, or is there something else we need to know? Um, the biggest money trap. Well, you know what? It's going to depend on who you are. Going back to chapter one of the psychology of money, 
what is your particular individual biggest money trap? We've already talked about a couple of them right here. Being unprepared or hanging on for the last eighth or um, otherwise just doing stupid stuff with your money. And then there's the opposite side of it, which is, well, you know what? I'm going to avoid all of this nonsense and I'm just going to stuff my money in the mattress, right? I'll take all the risk out of money by simply not doing anything, right? And there are, and right. believe me, there are people who do that. They do. And, you know, on the one hand, you have to say, well, I'm proud of you because you understand your, you know, you're clued into your personal tendencies. Um, so, yeah, that's a good thing. But on the other side of it, um, zero risk means zero reward. Yeah. And you're just, and now talk about leaving money on the table. There's a way that you can do this and still and still sleep at night, you know, instead of worrying that your principal is going to go away. That's why I look at Bitcoin and, and I say, this trades 168 hours a week, right? I can't invest in something that never stops trading because I have to sleep. Yeah. And I'm not going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think, oh my God, I better see if, if uh, Bitcoin had a waterfall decline because of something that went on in Asia while I was trying to catch some wings. Right. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. The New York Stock Exchange has opened 32 and a half hours out of 168 in a week. That's yeah. good enough for me. When that when right. that when that when that bell rings, you know you don't have to think about it till the next morning. 49 minutes ago, it rang on Friday, July 16th. I don't have yep. to really worry about it until Monday morning at 9:30. Exactly. I can go do what I want to do. I can actually go do some homework and look for some stocks that I might want to buy or sell over the weekend while the market is closed. That's okay. a, that's a godsend. <laughs> right? All right. Tell us more about, tell us more about that. Uh, why? Cause I think this is something that goes into financial intelligence. What would you be, what would, what should the mindset or the mind process be for doing buys and sells while the market is closed? I'm actually curious about this. Well, that, well, well, the, um, I'll go back to the golf analogy, right? Because I'm a golfer. Right. The, the, time, the time to institute changes to your game is not when you're in the middle of the round, right? When you, when, you, when you show up at the golf course, you go to the range to warm up, right? That's just there to warm up and then to play the round, right? right. You're going to play the round with the game that you brought that day. Some days you bring a good game and, and you're killing it. Other days, uh, you, it's just a train wreck. It's just the nature of how that works. And, and you, you live and die with that. But when you're, when you're not on the course and you're at the driving range and you're working on things, well, that's when you get to work on things. Uh -huh. That's when you get to experiment and work and practice things. Try, I've been instituting a few little swing changes and they haven't really taken hold. So I'm kind of spraying the ball around, but, but that's okay because I'm you know, kind of in the middle of making some adjustments, it's not gonna be perfect. Um, I'm gonna still go out and enjoy the game, but where I'm working on things is when I'm not on the course. And so it's a lot, it's a lot um, less stressful, perhaps you're a bit more level-headed when you're doing all of this analysis while the markets are closed. Uh-huh. Right? You can't go, you can't impulse trade if the market's not open and impulse trading will kill your account. So you may be working on a Saturday afternoon, looking at some watch lists, and you may detect, oh my God, there's a really good trade in this stock. But you can't trade it just then. It's got a marriage right. until Monday morning. Oh, <laughs> I, I see. I see your. Uh, I see your office manager is chiming in now. Uh, yes, my dog Elvis is in the building. What so. kind of dog? He's a mutt. Um, he's a rescue a dog that we rescued from from uh, being euthanized um, oh, as nice. a five-year-old. He's a five-year-old, like mostly black lab. He's, okay. He's, he's adorable. He's about 80 pounds. And he's, um, you know, we, we moved up here to rural Connecticut. So we're on five acres now. So he's got mange. He's a mangy dog. Uh -huh. uh, I, did, I didn't know where the term mangy dog came from, but mange is like a disease with these little mites. Yeah. Um, and then we took him to the doctor and they said, well, he was... 
you know, rooting must have been rooting with a dead animal carcass because that's how he got it. It's like, and I mean, kids are yelling at me like, you've got to put an invisible fence. I'm like, I'm not putting an invisible fence around five acres. How am I going to do that? Right. He's a dog. He's going to run yeah. around. The only thing I worry about here is that this is, we have bear here. So uh -huh. this morning, yeah. And I've actually had to chase bears away, but there was a, uh, my wife saw the, uh, there's a, like an adolescent black bear. She saw him this morning walking up our road. We live on a dirt road, just walking yep. on our road, sort of sniffing everything around. I don't want him to confront a bear because I think that would end really badly for Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, as hum we as humans know that in at least many of the situations, encountering a bear is really not a big deal. But a dog does not have that level of critical thinking self-awareness to, to know and he's know a to, he's a total to alpha dog. bear yeah <laughs> oh, he's oh, a complete oh alpha yeah dog. oh yeah yeah you don't want to you don't want to get alpha with a bear there i mean it's actually uh as i said in many situations it's actually very easy to get the, the bear to just turn around and walk away but you don't do that by howling like he does no i i caught one in my garbage about two weeks ago as i was putting the garbage out on, a, yeah. on like Thursday morning, I caught him red pawed. He had a bag of my, he knocked the garbage can over. He had a bag of, of garbage in his mouth. You know, we locked eyes as I was, uh, came around the corner of my house and I, I just screamed at him. <laughs> I started yelling and he ran away and then he hid because he was waiting for me to leave because he found the mother load of garbage there. And then I just started banging stuff. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was pretty funny. I was laughing and it was like, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you can't let them get comfortable with people. It, it, you know, they're adorable, but they, but for their own good, you don't right. want them to turn in. You don't want them to turn into nuisance bears because nuisance bears get shot. And I don't want to see the bears. Get no, shot no, no. We're just, no. we're just sharing a planet with them. That's all we're doing. And, yep. um, and see, and see, this, and is, this is what I'm getting at as humans. We know, that if you want to get a bear to turn around and run, your most likely strategy to make that succeed is to make yourself look big and loud. Yep, you. But just, if I you, just but yelled if, but, at him. Yeah, while standing still. Mm -hmm. But if you charge the bear, they go into fight or flight, and they probably oh, yeah. will not run. They will stand their ground. Depend. Now, this was an adolescent bear. I've seen the mama bear. The mama bear is huge because the mama bear got in my garbage. And she's, you know, she's taller than I am. So oh, you are I'm playing not, with firecrackers there. Uh, I, I'm not, interacting I'm not, with the kids and the mama. Woo. I'm not, I'm not messing with mama bear. Although I saw mama bear on the road and she ran away from me. Um, but yeah, that's exactly right. Just scare them off. I saw some picture on the internet where people were sitting at a pic picnic table and there was a bear sitting with them. It's like, no, you can't do that. I know you might think that that's cool. It's not. Get them, you know, chase them off, make them afraid of you. It's for their own good. So anyway, so that's well, that's, that's Elvis's well, story. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Conservation of bears goes along with conservation of wildlife. Uh, where uh, the part of the reason that they're able to expand the bear population is because they're expanding the forests. That's where the bears are supposed to live. We're we're we, actually we're, doing a very good job in concert. You know, there are there are all sorts of different species that are that are coming back, and that's a yeah. wonderful thing because it's just one planet that we're all sharing together. But you still have to be, you know, conscientious about it. That um, you know, I just put a bat house up on the side of the house um, because you know the bats are good for the ecosystem. Yeah. Right. Even though people go you know crazy with bats, I'm like, no, I I put a nice. I'm going to put another one out there because the bats eat the bugs and the back bats are good for kind of the whole, the whole environment. They're not, you know, they're not scary. Um, they're ugly, but that's not their fault. That's just the way they're made. Well, possums, groundhogs, all these animals actually play a role. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, the, one of the, one of the uh, most frightful things I remember from my childhood is uh, when a groundhog came onto the property and somebody killed it. Oh, thinking why what this groundhog is doing for us and i knew this at the time is when they dig their burrows which they can dig out hundreds of pounds of dirt just one groundhog can be responsible oh, yeah. for hundreds of pounds of dirt what that's doing is surfacing rich soil farmers rely on groundhogs to help them protect their crops here's the reason why some of the predators of their crops include things like rabbits foxes etc 
Yeah. The rabbits and foxes will go down in the burrows and leave the crops alone. Sure. Because when that groundhog leaves their burrow, it doesn't just fill itself in. Somebody else can uh, set up residence. Now, there's a nice little corollary there because in the financial world, that's that. That's well, why we. That's why we're having this conversation about wildlife because I knew that the final word on this interview would link into that. So, oh yeah, take it away, so, Henry. So think about it. Think about all the newbies who are investing and doing all this dumb trading, right? So what are they providing for the financial? ecosystem well what they're really providing is a lot of liquidity yeah and that liquidity is good and you know i'm sorry to say this but but it's it's the truth the the pros are going to eat their lunch they're going to take their money away from them right they just are so if you're a professional trader you want as many dumb newbies in the system as as is possible yeah and if you're a, and if you're a short trader you really want as many dumb newbies in it as possible. Because when we have another waterfall decline and all of, and I'm not predicting it here on, on July 16th, but yeah. I'm very, very leery of the frothiness of the market. Um, it's a good time to take profits. It's always a good time to take profits. I say take profits when they present themselves, but if you got profits, now's not a bad time to take them. I see the market as being very frothy now. A year from now, could we have the same conversation and still be frothy? Sure. But I would expect to see some corrections, right? Right. And if they're violent corrections, what will the newbies do? You know, they'll panic. It's just like back to being at the poker table. I know we're mixing all of our metaphors. Yep. But what does the inexperienced player do when things start to get hot on the poker table? You know they're going to fold or they're going to do some stupid bully bet where they think that they're going to take a pro out by pushing all their chips to the center, not realizing that the guy across the table's got the nuts and yeah. he had it and he had it at the flop. Right. And he baited you. Because you're a newbie and you don't know any better. That's one of the lessons I learned from bad beats. Sometimes if you got the nuts on, if you got the nuts on the flop, just ride it out. Let somebody let somebody lure you in and then push on them. Sure, of if course. I, if, I, if, if I got that ace high flush and uh, the stuff and the stuff on the table does not is not connected, which means it's unlikely there's a full house creeping up on me. I'll just wait it out and then I'll push. You got to know the table you're playing on because conversely, there may be times where when you get the nuts on the flop, you say. I'm not going to take any chances that's that something else is going to happen to me when the, when the turn in the river come out, I'm, I'm going to blow everybody now. out now. Yeah. I'm going to and- push now and blow everybody out of the market. And sure. I would have made a lot more money if I'd ridden it out, but I also would have increased my risk. Instead I'm taking the, 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 the dumb money right off the table, yeah. the boring money right now. And we're going to move on. Right. Right. These so I might- the, This is yeah. intelligence. Exactly. Intelligence. Yep. Nature intelligence and financial intelligence are all in the same genus. Different. Yep. Species. That's that's right. And it's reading the table. I as I, as I said earlier, uh, when I when I had that straight, I was looking around the table and all I saw were a bunch of checks. Yeah. And I and I and I and I, and I was also and I was also looking at how quickly they moved and what their faces looked like because those are tells. Sure, there are. And if you see people moving slow, that could mean that they think they're close to something and watch out. It could also mean something else. I mean, that which raises the whole point that it really just involves in like poker, golf, and finances just being intelligent. So we're at the top of the hour here, and I know you have a little gift for us. So tell us about it. Um, so um, you can go to. Uh, something that I offer to listeners is a month of free coaching. So if you go to podcast.dosknowledge.com and you can sign up for a month of free coaching four half hour sessions, we could talk about money. We can talk about entrepreneurship. We can talk about screenplays. We can talk about poker. Even I know enough to be dangerous, All right, Uh, whatever it is. And I've had a bunch of people who have taken advantage of that. It's my little gift to the podcast audience it's also an opportunity to um to sort of gauge you know who's listening and who's interacting and and if you want to download my book 
you can go to henrydas.com, which is my personal website, H-E-N-R-Y-D-A-A-S, um, or D-A-S-S. If you misspell it, you can still yep. get there. Um, and right there on the front page, you can get a link to download my book for free, FQ Financial Intelligence. Fantastic. So, yeah. So those are my little freebies for your audience. I'm happy to do it. I've done a probably close to hundred podcasts since the lockdown. Um, I like doing them. They're fun. I like having uh -huh. great conversations like this and I hope people enjoyed it. All right. Well, Henry Doss, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. <laughs> Good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Adam. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>